You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Is Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. On your home for University of Alabama Athletics, Tide 100.9 FM, Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show, as always, brought to you by Peter Brook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Halloween. Halloween. It's happening. Get by there and get you one of those chocolate pumpkins that they've got. At Peterbrook Chocolatier. It's kind of like the chocolate footballs that you're going to find there. But uh, what you've got instead is a chocolate pumpkin that is filled with uh, the chocolate covered popcorn there at Peterbrook Chocolatier. Outstanding gift idea for the upcoming week. Joined on the program by producer Jacob Harrison, who together we combine to form. The 60 minute man of Sports Talk Radio. Jacob, how you doing on this Tuesday morning? I'm doing pretty good. I'm joined uh, by intern Mason Woods, and uh, I'm the happy one in the room because my Steelers are 6 and 0. There you go. The Steelers, as they say it up there in uh, Pennsylvania, but uh, Western Pennsylvania. Outstanding. We talked about it yesterday. Miami Dolphins of 1972 rooting hard against Jacob Harrison's. Steelers at this point, those 72 Dolphins, they don't want any company, you know, when it comes to undefeated NFL teams. They were really happy when that Patriots team got beat by the Giants uh, in the Super Bowl there to ruin Tom Brady and Bill Belichick's chance of joining those 72 Dolphins. So uh, we'll keep track of that. We got a lot of college football talk for you on the program, as you might expect. You've got a pivotal like we've talked about before, is there is there no such thing as a pivotal World Series game or postseason game? Pivotal game six, deciding potential game six in the World Series tonight with the Dodgers and the Rays getting back after it out there in Arlington, Texas. Can the Dodgers finish off the Rays tonight? Their payroll says they better, especially in comparison to the Rays. What did I see the stat, the... The payroll for the Dodgers outfit uh, outfield alone is more than the entire payroll for the for the Tampa Bay Rays. So they'll look to uh, put a capper on that one tonight. Cap the baseball season could be a heck of a few weeks here for LA sports. Poor little old LA, right? 
such a small market situation there in Southern California. Could have the Lakers and the Dodgers. You talk about iconic sports brands within, what, a month? Winning world championships with the Lakers doing it first down there in the Orlando bubble for the NBA. And now the Dodgers looking to do it in Major League Baseball. Speaking of L.A., you had the Rams last night taking care of Joe Gaither's Bears. Heavy Alabama defensive presence in that tilt last night. Terrell Lewis with a big play on a fourth down. What about Eddie Jackson getting into the end zone for the Chicago Bears? Eddie Jackson, I'm not saying he's Ed Reed, okay? Ed Reed, one of the all-timers at the safety position. Although, Eddie, at last check, was the highest-paid safety in the National Football League these days. But Eddie Jackson, going back to his time here at Alabama, and especially when he made the move from corner to safety, he's been Ed Reed-like when it comes to being opportunistic on touchdown opportunities. He found the end zone last night. Speaking of the Rams, that defense looked pretty good. Now, the Bears' offense putrid right hasn't exactly hasn't exactly gotten the jolt from Nick Foles that they were maybe anticipating but still an impressive performance by a Rams defense that gets Tua Tonga Vialoa next Tua gonna make that first start this week against the Los Angeles Rams maybe a little bit of a shorter week for the Rams will help Tua 205 342-9904. That is the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio Line. If you'd like to jump on board with us on a Tuesday morning, you are welcome to do so. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, we will be joined by Brent Beard, College Sports Today and First Coast News. We like to check in with Brent on Tuesday. So we'll go around the Southeastern Conference with Brent. Fun weekend coming up in the league. A return to, well, I guess it's pretty much a full slate, almost a full slate. You've got six games. Uh, both divisions going to be impacted heavily with play this weekend. Georgia going to Kentucky in the East. Uh, Missouri suddenly with a big game after winning a couple of, in a row. Headed to Florida. Florida coming off the COVID. We'll see how the Gators respond. Uh, as far as Western Division matchups, of course, right here in Tuscaloosa, you're going to have Alabama welcoming the air raid of Mike Leach. To Bryant Denny Stadium, six o'clock kickoff Saturday night. I'm guessing, I'm sure it is. That is another Sean McDonough, Todd Blackledge, Todd McShay situation on the broadcast. And then, of course, in that two thirty Central game down on the plains, you're going to have LSU and Auburn. So we'll talk about all of those, or most of them anyway, with Brent Beard coming up at the bottom of the hour. Going to be TJ Finley at quarterback or Miles Brennan. For the LSU Tigers against Auburn this weekend. Finley looked good, man. Finley's a big dude for LSU, too. What, 6'5", six, 6'6"? Six, six? Watching him against South Carolina last Saturday night, I was having some flashbacks to, like, Rohan Davey, even Jamarcus Russell. Big dude. LSU run game got going, too. LSU going to head to Jordan-Hare Stadium with a bit more confidence after that performance against the Gamecocks, and we'll also ask Brent about the ongoing saga, speaking of Auburn, involving Ole Miss head coach Lane Kiffin and the Southeastern Conference office. Lane going to put some billboards up around Birmingham, LSU style, in protest of his situation 
being fined 25k for criticizing the LS uh, the SEC office in relation to the abbreviated the drive-by review of that muff kickoff return attempt by the Auburn Tigers late in Ole Miss's loss to AU over the weekend. We'll talk with Brent about that. Mississippi State and Alabama, obviously, you thought about three weeks ago, man, this has got the potential to be a real centerpiece game, not only for the conference, but nationally. Even with the Big Ten coming back online in anticipation of the Pac-12, you were thinking after K.J. Costello threw for an SEC record 600-plus yards against LSU in that opener, wow, that's going to be a game to circle on Halloween. You're going to have Nick Saban's 69th birthday. You're going to have Mississippi State. When you looked at Mississippi State's schedule after LSU and you saw Arkansas and you saw Kentucky – and even with A&M going to Starkville, you're thinking, man, this could very well be a 4-0 Mississippi State team. This could be somewhat like 2014 revisited when State came in here with Dak Prescott undefeated. Didn't really turn out that way. Suddenly, opposing defenses started dropping eight men into coverage. And from about that point forward, it all fell apart for K.J. Costello and the Mississippi State offense. We've also seen Will Rogers at quarterback for Mississippi State. So quarterback situations, we're at that time of the season, right? Between injury, between ineffective play, that's where you're at. Talk about who's going to step forward at some particular programs at the quarterback position. There's been rumblings about Tennessee with Jared Guarantano. Sounds like Jared kept the Wolves at bay, played just well enough against Alabama, threw a couple touchdown passes, um, that for now anyway, for one week anyway, going into the Vols bye week anyway, able to sort of beat that back a little bit. But Kentucky with Terry Wilson, that wasn't pretty at Missouri last weekend. Joey Gatewood, the Auburn transfer there. Georgia still has issues with Stetson Bennett. Is it eventually going to be JT Daniels' time? Sounds like it's still Stetson Bennett going into Saturday's matchup with the Wildcats at the grocery store stadium up there in the Commonwealth. Finley, Brennan at LSU. Uh, You've had a two-quarterback deal with Corral and John Rice Plumley at Ole Miss. You know, one of the places where there really hasn't been much of a quarterback situation where I think most people thought there would be at this point in the season is right here in Tuscaloosa. You know, kind of figured that Bryce Young was going to be too good to keep off the field early, but the reality is Mac Jones has just been too good, period. Yeah, you've seen Bryce Young. Saw him most recently in the fourth quarter at the Tennessee game last Saturday. He looked good. Looked good. But Mac's been, uh, Mac's been lights out. Three SEC Offensive Player of the Week awards for the redshirt junior quarterback in five games now. And you heard from Nick Saban yesterday. Topics were about what you would expect coming out of the win over Tennessee. We'll get into some of those as we move throughout the program. Saban was asked very early in his Monday media availability about the pass rush. And, of course, Nick typically, as he does, Turns that into a, you people think it's all about sacks. It's not. And agree with him there. 
and kind of went on a rant here yesterday about the Alabama pass rush. And my biggest contention with the Alabama pass rush isn't sacks. It's that when it's third and eight and you're going against a quarterback who really doesn't want to leave the pocket, you have got to tackle him before the sticks. You know? It, it, forget about sacks. You don't have to sack the guy. Just tackle him two yards, three yards short of the of the, of the first down marker. You know? Here's what I think about Alabama's pass rush, too. I think it's a year away. You, know, you see it right now when Will Anderson is in the vicinity but doesn't quite get home as a true freshman. You think about some of the pressures that you saw Alabama bring or the rushers it brought. Sometimes it wasn't a fifth guy. Sometimes it was you know, just a, a fourth guy that was coming from somewhere else other than the front seven. But Brian Branch going to be a better blitzer next year than he is as a true freshman. Same for Malachi Moore at the star position. Will Anderson, you got guys that you're physically trying to get there, and Chris Braswell, Q Robinson, Drew Sanders is going to be a better pass rusher next year than he is right now. These are all, these are a lot of freshmen. And even some of these second-year guys, it's going to require another year. You know? Justin Aboigby, Byron Young, Barmore, if he's back next year, should certainly be better. So you think about the pieces that you need to provide a consistent pass rush, and I think the reality of it is probably a year away from being back to what Alabama fans have grown accustomed to seeing. And I know Nick, you know, inaccurately, says, look, we saw more seven-man protection against Tennessee. Yeah, and, and that's that's true. But when you had guys, you know, like Ryan Anderson on the edge and you had Jonathan Allen, inside and you had Quentin Williams and you had Deron Payne and you had Tim Williams on the edge. It didn't matter. Somebody was getting home and they were definitely keeping a quarterback short of the sticks on third and eight, even if they didn't get home for a sack, you know, Reuben Foster, one of these guys wasn't allowing a quarterback to get to the sticks unless it was like Deshaun Watson, you know, a Jared Guarantano on third and eight or fourth and seven, he wasn't going to make it to the sticks. That's all I'm asking for right now. We're going to head to our first break. We come back more of a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. A warm afternoon, a mix of sun and clouds, a small chance of a shower through tonight. The high today, 82. Tonight's low, 70. Tomorrow, cloudy rain becoming widespread. The high, 75. Breezy on Thursday with rain ending during the morning. Thursday's high at 76. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. Tuesday. Simon LeBon. You wanted to get a date back when I was in high school? 
have a ticket to that tour right there back around 84 85 if you had a ticket to that tour an extra yeah you could get a date to go see Duran Duran. Simon LeBond, born on this day in 1958. That dude can't be 62 years old, man. Alas, that seems to be the case. Well, it beats the alternative, right? Absolutely. It is a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9. Presented by Peterbrook Chocolatier. We were talking about some of the comments from Nick Saban yesterday. Got into the pass rush topic a little bit. Um, also, Slay Bolden, as you might expect, a popular, a popular topic yesterday. And, uh, you know, some of the, I've been asked, uh, by multiple folks in the last day, including just this morning about some options to go along with Slay Bolden. And my thought has been, I think with Slay Bolden, Devonte Smith, John Mechie, you're fine. You're okay. And then you can continue to maybe up the revenue stream that is Najee Harris in the passing game, maybe get a little bit more out of Miller Forstall, Jalil Billingsley, the tight end position. Um, I think what Alabama does have with its top three right now, Slade Bolton being the third guy, is that those three guys I'm thinking can play any of the three primary spots. What you need a Javon Baker, Treshawn Holden, maybe Tyu Jones-Bell, someone, Xavier Williams, someone. You need to get another guy or two, especially when we're talking about newcomers, where they are up to speed at a particular spot, whether it's the Z or the X. You know, Because, again, you can do different things with Devontae Smith, and I anticipate Alabama will. I think you'll see not only Slade Bolden work on the inside, I think you'll probably see Devontae Smith work some on the inside, John Mechie. They'll continue to mix it up. I don't think they're going to just be this uniform. Okay, uh, Devontae Smith is the X. John Mechie is the Z. Slade Bolden is the slot. I don't think it's going to go that way. I think it did maybe more so against Tennessee because you hadn't had a chance to prepare. This happened with Waddle. On the uh, on the opening kickoff, so you just sort of transition to what made the most sense in that particular situation with some time to work on things. Now, I think you'll see Steve Sarkeesian mix that up a little bit in terms of how he uses his personnel. He doesn't want to become predictable, and so you'll see those three guys kind of move around more. What you need from one of these newcomers is to get them comfortable enough at one spot that you have enough trust in them that if you put them in the game, they know exactly what to do, what adjustments to make based on coverages, develop some type of repertoire, some type of chemistry with Mac Jones. So there's a level of trust there that, okay, if we see this coverage pre-snap, you know to make this type of site adjustment. If something happens post-snap, I can count on you to see that and make the required adjustment. You know, those are the things that are in play, not just knowing the spots. It's multifaceted when it comes to these young receivers. I mean, first and foremost, you got to know your, your primary position. Uh, then secondarily, you've got to know how to make some adjustments and you got to be able to play off the ball, man. I mean, you got to be able to block. 
you see it every week. You got first rounders in this program like Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs before them. They would kick your butt in space as blockers. So that's a big part of it, too. Going to step aside for another break. When we come back, it's time to tour the SEC with our good pal, Brent Beard. We'll do that with Brent coming up next on a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.8 FM right after this. You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. With more of a Tuesday edition of Southern Pride Sports right here on your home for University of Alabama Athletics. Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Schreier, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. And it is at this time, usually on Tuesdays, that we go to the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio Line and check in with our good friend Brent Beard of College Sports Today and First Coast News. Brent Beard, how are you on this Brent. Tuesday morning? I'm doing well. We've got some cool weather coming here this weekend around th- uh, Halloween, so we're quite glad about that. Uh, a, uh, an abbreviated schedule trap last week. Uh, fortunately, we don't have that this week, so uh, one week kind of builds upon the next. And let's start right there because the centerpiece of SEC action, as we know, last Saturday was right there in Knoxville, Tennessee. Maybe the more entertaining game took place in Oxford. We'll talk about that in a little bit as well. There's been a residual mm-hmm. effect of that game, in fact, is concerned. But let's get your thoughts first on Alabama and Tennessee, obviously, on the game's opening kickoff. A damper cast over East Tennessee as Jalen Waddle goes out with what is suspected to be at least a season-ending type injury to that ankle uh, what are your thoughts at that point watching the game, Brent, when you see this guy, a four straight game, 100 yard receiver, the impact he has in the kicking game, what's your immediate reaction to seeing Waddle go out like that? Well, it's just such a shame, uh, to see a guy that is that talented. Uh, I, for Trav, I frankly think he would have probably been in New York for the Heisman. Uh, I, I think he's that good and I think he's that important. Uh, and this is this is the kind of a guy that uh, the, the benefit you get from him to me is more almost at the end of the year when you're in the SEC championship game or uh, you're in the playoffs uh, because I, I just think he's that much of a difference maker uh, when you're when you're Alabama there aren't many but you have a few teams that have a similar roster but but he would be the guy then in the fourth quarter, Trav, that you could get uh, loose in the secondary on a sweep or something like that, uh, and, and, and that he would make that much of a difference. Certainly glad to hear the surgery went well per Nick Saban. Uh, certainly wish him well. Hope he can come back. But 
it was it was really difficult uh, in, in many ways to see that. And, and I still say, Trav, that he may be exhibit A, uh, B, or C in the next few years about why uh, the NCAA should uh, stop having kickoffs. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting thing to consider moving forward. And you touched on the Heisman aspect of this and Waddle of the Alabama contingent going into the season, he was my pick as the guy most likely to win the award. Maybe not even most likely to get to New York because it's very much a quarterback uh, honor, as we know. And with that, I wanted to ask you this. Does Waddle's absence help or hinder Mac Jones's chances of winning the Heisman Trophy? You don't have Waddle to detract from the votes now. And look, I understand Matt could care less about all this we're talking about, but just theoretically, um, you're, you're not going to have a teammate of Mac Jones uh, taking away from votes to him. But at the same time, you know, Waddle, I guess, helps Mac Jones's candidacy <laughs> because Mac's numbers certainly can be impacted by having a guy like that around. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and it also makes you wonder, I mean, Trav, if, if Najee Harris had a string of 200-yard games, uh, how quickly uh, would Najee be involved in that? Mm-hmm. And, 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 look, you could you could frankly make an argument, uh, and, and people need to look at the numbers, uh, that if Devonta Smith keeps on going the way he is, uh, I mean, would he be given in consideration? I mean, that's a that, that's a wonderful problem to have if you're Alabama. They had four performances against Georgia that, to me, were Heisman finalist caliber. Yeah. When you talk about Devontae, Jalen, Najee, and Mac Jones, and you bring up Najee. And without Waddle, you know, I think you're going to see that impact, certainly explosive plays, probably even Mac in terms of touchdown passes because – there were ways in which you could just flip it out there to Jalen, and he turned something in the quick game into a, you know, explosive play touchdown. But could you envision maybe this offense moving forward being even more 2015-like? Obviously, not to the extent where Derrick Henry had nearly 400 carries mm-hmm. in 15 games that season, but with that offensive line with Najee Harris. Uh, I guess if required, they can take more of that approach than they have already. And we've already seen a decent uptick in the workload for, for Najee, I guess. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and I think that, that it's going to be important for them to be able to get, um, uh, obviously, the other backs involved. Um, uh, it was good to see uh, what um, – uh, Trey Sanders was able to do in the ball game. Trev, you and I talked about this uh, at, at two or three different times, and the way that Najee not has run the ball but has caught the ball this year, he has made some, frankly, I hope people appreciate how hard some of these catches have been for him at times and how he is absolutely able to leave his feet and be able to do that. Uh, Trev, I'm, I, I, I want to ask you this. I'm curious if Alabama ever had one of those games where they were really depleted at wide receiver. I, I'm I'm almost convinced you could uh, you could put Najee at wide receiver for the whole game, uh, and and he would be competent enough to where he could catch seven or eight passes for over a hundred yards. 
He's a he's a natural receiver now. He is. Isn't he? What helps is you're getting him matched up on linebackers, absolutely. You are, say Good corners. Point. I mean, I don't think you want him on corners, but like you saw on Saturday, you get him swinging out of the backfield one on one, even with a guy like Henry Toa Toa, sure. and he made easy work uh, of Toa Toa there on one of those uh, catches out of the backfield. Career high six catches. For Najee Harris against Tennessee, so certainly another revenue stream from which this Alabama passing game can draw with Waddle out. I'll say this about Najee Harris, too. Najee, a couple of years ago in pass protection, he wasn't yeah. exactly a yeah. put, put his face in the fan guy. Right. Um, and he is really... Uh, improved in that area, something that you don't maybe pay as much of attention to. Uh, Brent, what about Slade Bolden uh, stepping in there? A lot of talk here in the last few days. Obviously, I thought Bolden did a nice job, jumped right in there. I thought the chemistry between Mac and Bolden with the time they've spent together in recent years showed up on the game's first snap, as a matter of fact. Uh, He had the one turnover, but I think that had to be his performance in general – had to be probably more comforting to the fan base because the players, you know, they see these guys. They see this mm-hmm. stuff on a daily basis. They probably weren't surprised or, uh, you know, kind of caught off guard by what we saw from Slade Bolton, but uh, an impressive performance nonetheless. I thought it was, too. I mean, he was able to reach up and grab a couple of passes that, that, that were a little bit beyond uh, where probably Mac wanted him to be. Uh, but Slade is very multidimensional. I mean, he can return kicks. Uh, I, I think they would trust him on uh, a jet sweep type thing. I mean, uh, he can pretty well can throw uh, it. Uh, he, yeah. he really could if he had to do it. But, Trev, the thing, the thing, and you touched on this, is Slade's career in Alabama will go uh, – only as far as his blocking ability and more than anything else, his ball security, right? Yeah, there's a level of trust that's obviously there for him Yes, that's based on experience that isn't there for the freshman receivers. No, not but yet. you turn the ball over and you whiff in space, That that's an easy way to lose a lot of that trust. And so – that's a level of his game that people are going to talk more about, well, can he make plays sure. like Jalen Waddle can? Probably not. I don't know if anyone else other than Rondell Moore of Purdue right. can do what Jalen Waddle does. But he is good enough as a receiver uh, that if he takes care of the off-the-ball aspects of the job, I think Slade Bolden's going to be just fine. What about this Alabama defense? Um, Brent, have you seen enough here maybe in the last – six quarters to up your confidence level for this group moving forward or you still got some concerns there well there's still some concerns but 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 i still thought they improved greatly particularly in defending the run uh i mean that they held tennessee to 302 yards uh, but people would normally say gosh that's a lot of yards but look in this day and age when 600 yards is almost an, an everyday occurrence, uh, that's really good. 3.7 yards per carry. Still no, still no sacks yet. <clears throat> now Mississippi State's allowed 14 sacks, so they may get a, a few of that. Uh, but the, uh, my my two questions about uh, would be the. Uh, secondary still, and I give Gary Antonio credit. He had a couple of long ones uh, that, that that needs to be cleaned up and more pressure on the quarterback. But I, I, I will still say that 
the, the defense played much better, and uh, uh, Nick Saban also commented that he thought they did too. Yeah, they did what they needed to do against the run. They weren't right. particularly dominant, but you know they were good enough on third down against a team that's awful on third downs. Yes. They did what they should have done there. Four of 16, I guess, for Tennessee in the game. And then uh, good enough against Ty Chandler and Eric Gray. Um, Fedarian Mathis did some nice things. Byron Young did some nice things. Uh, they still have to get to a point where they can finish on the quarterback. Yeah. And that's not just in reference. I know Nick, when he gets the question about pass rush, he defaults to you people think it's all about sacks. That's the Nick yes. Saban default. That's and, right. I, and I think for, for people out there, more than a few, that is what they equate yeah. pass rush to. My thing is when it's third and eight, okay, and you're not exactly dealing with Michael Vick <laughs> or Johnny Manziel. Yeah. We're talking about Jared Guarantano. Yeah. Get him on the ground before the sticks. Yes. It's not yes. that you have to sack these guys. But on third day, maybe stop them two or three yards short of the de- of the yards to make. That 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 would be a good start. That that would be a good place to go. But um, you mentioned Mississippi State coming up this Saturday uh, here in Tuscaloosa, Saturday night, six o'clock kickoff on ESPN. Boy, what a difference a couple of three weeks makes with this team. You were thinking that KJ Costello might be. You talk about New York and finalists for the Heisman. He looked like that kind of guy against LSU in the season opener. But alas, Mike Leach came to realize that zone defense is allowed in the (laughs) Southeastern Conference. And it just seems like in losses to Arkansas, where it really started uh, with Barry Odom working his magic, the defensive coordinator for Arkansas, followed by Kentucky, most recently Texas A&M, it's it's looked like opposing defenses have basically said, okay, KJ Costello, show us you can throw the ball underneath. Show us you're patient enough to take what's there. Uh, show us you can come off your primary receiver and go through your progressions. And it seems like ever since LSU gave a man defense without Derek Stingley on the field, it's just been a a comedy of errors for this. Mississippi State offense. We're seeing a couple of the quarterbacks from Mississippi State, Garrett Schrader, Jalen Maiden now in the transfer portal. Schrader had sort of transitioned into more of a, a athlete role, I guess. Um, but it, it, I, th- this can't be where anyone thought Mississippi State's air raid offense would be after that opening performance against LSU. Uh, no, not at all. Uh, but everywhere he has gone at Texas Tech and Washington State, Trav, he has had issues uh, his first year. Uh, you can already begin to see the the roster management taking place. Nick Penley is an offensive lineman who's also in the transfer portal. That, that came out today, too. Now, uh, we heard yesterday from a media friend in Mississippi, uh, and I'm sure you have, too, that said they've got a lot of internal issues. And to me, one of the big situations that has cost them maybe their season is Kylan Hill uh, is not there. Uh, And he's not coming back this week either. I understand there's some real uh, attitude problems there. 
uh, that probably he and the coaching staff have gone sideways somewhere uh, along the line. They're struggling offensively. They're they're basically last in the league in running the football. They they average fifty six passes and eighteen rushes in that time. So uh, and right now, who's the quarterback going to be? Is it going to be Costello or Will Rogers? And we don't quite know uh, which one that's going to be either. I, I, I like Leach. I think Leach will be fine as it goes along when he gets his own roster there. I think you and I both agree he's never going to win a championship because he doesn't know enough uh, in dealing with defense. Uh, but this is a uh, state team that's coming in that has a lot of issues on Saturday night. It's interesting, though, because it is the state defense that is sort of holding up its end of the bargain uh, in year one under Mike Leach. Now, look, Terry Wilson uh, isn't Terry Bradshaw, okay, when we talk about throwing the football. Uh, Felipe Franks isn't John Elway. Um, Kellen Mond certainly isn't the model of consistency at the quarterback position, but it's still – been interesting nonetheless you talk about that state offense it's an understanding that a lot of what state does even in the passing game is really an extension of the run game Mm -hmm. to see state with kylan hill at the running back position well perhaps no longer uh averaging 28 rushing yards per game i don't care who you are you still have to have a presence between the tackles in this league you can't just make it all about space oh. because the athletes are too good that even defenses like we've seen for Kentucky and Arkansas and Texas A&M can play zone, and they've got guys that can break on the football, guys who can tackle in space, and then it becomes very tough. So, um, and, and look, State, as you said, you're one under leash. They don't have the kind of guys at receiver right now that they need no. after the catch. They don't have dynamic guys. Even a guy like Chad Bumpus uh, from years past in this offense would be uh, a nice upgrade. The SEC and General Brent coming off again, an interesting weekend. I was asked about it this morning on a radio program down in Montgomery. If, if it seemed like there was something missing in SEC football through five or six weeks of this season. And, you know, my answer was, I think it's fan bases waking up on Monday, not totally certain their teams are going to play the following Saturday. You know, that takes, that's wear and tear uh, on the mental health uh, of a lot of folks. That's just sports. I mean, that's, that's in addition to everything else we're dealing with in our daily lives during this pandemic. But, um, uh, yeah, the, the Auburn Ole Miss game and the continuation of the officials involvement in some of these Auburn games, you know, Lane Kiffin getting fined for his social media, uh, reaction to the, uh, abbreviated review, I guess you could say of the, uh, kickoff return by Auburn that appeared to go off, uh, the return man's fingers there. It was a very quick review. They kept playing. They moved on. Uh, Auburn goes on to win the game. Uh, Lane gets fined. Uh, the SEC essentially admits to the mistake. Um, you look at Auburn at three and two, man. If I'm an Auburn fan right now, that feels like fifteen and zero after yeah. after what this team has been through in a couple of these games. Uh, well, and the truth of the matter is, uh, even that Kentucky game where they got the uh, the, the Kentucky running back. And they say that he was down. Uh, that was a blown call, thought by many, much less the Arkansas uh, in the uh, uh, in the win. Uh, certainly, 
uh, Ole Miss, that, yeah. That, that, that they had with Ole Miss. But the um, uh, look, I still think Auburn's got uh, they've got LSU, Bama, and A and M left. Uh, I think that's two of three losses there, if it's not three of three uh, at this point. Uh, I thought that Bo Nix played within himself. Uh, they had a much better offensive plan in that uh, in the Ole Miss game than they did the South Carolina yeah, it's game. Called, it's called get Seth Williams the ball late. Yeah, that, that's absolutely. a good plan. You know, yeah. That was a nice, nice adjustment by uh, Morrison. Uh, yeah. Chad and, and Gus there. <laughs> so, uh, and and obviously, anytime you get Tank Bigsby involved, that's a smart thing to do too. So, uh, but li- listen, the the problem with uh, the the SEC and the officiating, uh, and, and I'll I'll be brief on this, but uh, Trav, the issue is, uh, and some Twitter kind of pointed this out last night, and I agree with it. They call it a judgment call, uh, and that's not what this. This is a system failure. Uh, that the league has got uh, the money, they've got the personnel, and they've got the technology to get these calls right. And I, I don't even think it, it's that they're favoring Auburn. I, I don't buy that. Uh, but, but what I do buy is uh, when you've got the uh, uh, the resources to get these calls correct, you need to take advantage of it and do it. I I don't think they reviewed that kickoff at all. Uh, Well, and the problem with that is this wasn't like a mid-possession play, right, where there was a questionable situation and the offense runs up real quick knowing that and snaps the ball before there can be a review. This was after a touchback, after a kickoff. There was time. It was either just laziness, neglect, or a combination of all the above in the situation in Oxford on Saturday. Uh, well, and see, the problem with this is the league look, looks foolish when they come out with these press releases by admitting that, uh, well, we really made a mistake and uh, we really should have taken the time to correct the problem. Uh, but then but it looks like, and look, there are two things. The league, the, the two most important things to the SEC is its image and its money. So uh, the reality is its image is taking a hit here, uh, but primarily because, Trav, it looks like that they're more concerned about punishing Lane than they are about fixing the officiating situation, which seems to get worse every week. Yeah, it does. So it'll be interesting with LSU coming off a – thumping of South Carolina last Saturday night at Death Valley, now headed to Auburn for that CBS 230 Central game on Saturday, and plenty of intrigue because the LSU quarterback situation with Miles Brennan out last Saturday night uh, didn't look worse for wear. Big night for the LSU offense, much needed. Also, the ground game came through, defensively looked improved. Uh, So who do you like Saturday afternoon down on the Plains, LSU or Auburn? I I think LSU is playing better, or at least their athletes are stepping up to the plate. Look, I know they've lost thirty something players, but uh, this is a still a tremendously talented team. Now, always made it clear that if, if Brennan can play, that he's going to play. But this Finley kid, who is what Trav like six six two forty, he's like a he's like a hybrid of Rohan Davy and yeah, Jamarcus Russell. I mean, oh he's yeah, huge. 
He really is. And now it didn't help them that the Rosenthal kid on the on the offensive line has been suspended again. Think, yes. Yeah. I think Cam Wire will probably be okay with that. LSU's won three straight in the series, and as you mentioned, they're running the ball better with Emory. Uh, and Davis Price at this point, they did better on third down. Terrence Marshall is really going to be a handful for Kevin Steele in that in that defense at this point. And then Auburn loses Brandon Council. <clears throat> Trav, I don't think people realize what an issue that is. He was one of their better offensive linemen because he could play just about any position. Uh, but th- th- but this is still a uh, tremendous. Uh, uh, and crucial game for both these teams. But by the way, as everybody probably knows, Gus seven and sixteen against Bama, Georgia, and LSU. And believe me, Auburn fans are very aware of that one. Look, it doesn't matter. Gus is just getting ready for those two home games against Georgia and Alabama next year. <laughs> because as long as he takes care of one or both right. of those, that's right. another five years on his deal. I mean, yes. what does it take for people to figure this thing out at this point? Hey, Brent, as always, appreciate the time with us here on Southern Fried Sports. Always a great job uh, there at College Sports Today and First Coast News. Thanks a lot, Brent. Always, brother. Take care. There he goes, Brent Beard. Give him a follow on Twitter if you haven't already, at Brent Beard, B-E-A-I-R-D. Back with more of a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. A warm afternoon, a mix of sun and clouds, a small chance of a shower through tonight. The high today, 82. Tonight's low, 70. Tomorrow, cloudy, rain becoming widespread, the high, 75. Breezy on Thursday with rain ending during the morning. Thursday's high at 76. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Back with more of a Tuesday edition of Southern Pride Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Thanks again to Brent Beard of College Sports Today. First Coast News joining us here on the program. Went around the SEC pretty good. Wanted to hit on a couple of the other games in the league. Games that uh, a little bit surprising to see them take on the status that they have here at the midway point of the 2020 season. Missouri at Florida. Situation down there at Florida with the COVID-19. And a game, a couple of games really. Arkansas at Texas A&M has taken on a good bit more intrigue than any of us anticipated going into the season. A&M trying to hang in there in the SEC Western Division race at 3 and 1 overall. Arkansas a surprising 2 and 2 should be 3 and 1, should be two 3 and 1 teams getting together in College Station on Saturday night. But that's another matchup again that we didn't really have circled back in the preseason worried about this uh what do we got here now we've got tropical storm zeta what's with all these sorority storms we've got zetas betas you know i'm the dad of a tropical storm kappa they can be tough they can be tough hopefully we get through this uh last hurrah you would think i mean it's gonna be halloween weekend for crying out loud can we 
go ahead and put the tropical weather, the storms and hurricanes to a to an end here coming up. Also, did you see college game day going to be at Augusta National Golf Club on November the 14th? That, of course, the weekend of the Masters for the 2020 rendition of a tradition unlike any other, the Masters. You're going to have college game day set up at Augusta National. Kind of surprised in some ways that uh, the membership, the membership at Augusta National is cool with college game day being there. But you do consider there's a partnership already in place there. ESPN paying some big bucks for the early round coverage there of the Masters. So it makes a little more sense when you start dotting uh, crossing off some dots, connecting some dots. You start following the money, and that's going to be a huge day, man. As you know, Alabama LSU going to be a five central kickoff because you're going to have CBS coverage of the Masters third round there on that Saturday leading up to Alabama LSU. You know, we got to get Rusty. I've been doing a little looking around for Rusty. He's uh, he's looking for his home dogs with the sharpest teeth in college football this weekend. And based on what he has seen at Vegas Insider, looks like there's been a big sway in that LSU-Auburn line. It looked like Auburn opened up at minus two, and now that has moved already to LSU Minus three. Huh. Interesting. Better's uh, that persuaded by LSU's performance. TJ Finley at quarterback against South Carolina. Auburn did have a big injury. Brandon Council, one of its starting offensive linemen out for the year, but that's a lot. That's a big move. Plus, the total opened at 60 and a half. It's now at 65. It's a pretty good sway. What about Auburn? As a home cat, I guess you could say this weekend. Maybe not so much a home dog, but Auburn now a three-point underdog at home to LSU, according to Vegas Insider. few other selections that Rusty is eyeballing. Typically, he likes those academy teams. He likes those academy teams at home getting points. So he's looking at Air Force getting 14 in Colorado Springs this weekend. So he's eyeballing that one. He's going to do a little more research maybe on Boise and Air Force. That's going to do it for a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports. Thanks again to Brent Beard. Thanks again to Jacob Harrison. It is a Lunch Whistle Tuesday. That means Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. Outstanding pizza, outstanding bar options there. They open at 4 o'clock. It is a Thai Chicken Tuesday. So get down to Heat Pizza Bar today, starting at 6 o'clock. You're going to have $7 Thai chicken pizzas. Trust me, they are out of this world. Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. Until 11 a.m. on Wednesday. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody.